Hi everyone, I'm the pastor of the Mandarin Congregation in St. Mary's. It is a joy for me today to have this rare opportunity uh, to have this fellowship with you through the online service. Today we are continuing on 1 Samuel chapter 20. It will be good to have a Bible with you uh, as we skip some verses in our Bible reading just now. Let us pray. Dear God, help us to come in one spirit and in one faith as brothers and sisters in Christ, to listen to your word. Though we may be physically apart, pray that we will continue to use this online service to spur on one another uh, to love and to good works. We pray this in the Son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. What was your most worthwhile effort? Well, recently, I spent a lot of time and energy making an outdoor home for my pet turtles. As you can see here on my side, for the past two months, little by little, I work on this enclosure. The fence you see there is made of individual bamboo sticks. I have to use an angle grinder to saw them one by one. There's about 100 of them. And after sawing them, I have to use a sledgehammer to hammer them into the ground again one by one. There was a lot of sweat poured into it on some days after working long hours on it. I couldn't even lift up my arms. But looking back, I would say that this effort wasn't worthy at all. The end result was not as good as I wanted. I think some of the bamboo was starting to, to get moldy and smells. Seriously, if given another chance, I would just buy a ready-made one from Shopee. But at least there was one consolation. Uh, my wife even appreciated the fact that I managed to make it from scratch. Now to the Bible passage that we have read just now. Our main character, Jonathan, he too made a great effort. He made a great effort to protect David from being harmed. But unlike my effort in building the enclosure, Jonathan's David was of much Jonathan's David uh, Jonathan's effort was of much greater significance. And more importantly, his effort was well worth it. In that in the end he'll be rewarded for his commitment towards David. The title for today's sermon is For the Anointed One and I will divide it into three parts. First, Jonathan recognized the Anointed One. Jonathan grieved for the Anointed One and Jonathan will be remembered. At the beginning of chapter 20, we see David came before Jonathan to seek for his help. For his help. And we read in the previous chapters that it is because for three times Saul tried to kill David, but David managed to escape from him. And so coming before Jonathan, he said to him, What have I done wrong that your father seeks my life? But Jonathan said, Why would my father do this? If he wanted to kill you, he will surely tell me. At that moment, Jonathan couldn't believe that his father still wanted to kill David. Because if you remember previously, when Saul first wanted to kill David back in chapter 19, at that time, Jonathan spoke well of David to his father. And then back in chapter 19, verse 6, he says, And Saul listened to the voice of Jonathan. So Saul, as the Lord lives, he shall not be put to death. Jonathan believed what his father said back then. But obviously, Saul wasn't a righteous character. 
His words could not be trusted. So changed his mind back and forth, like how one will flip the roti chanai. And Jonathan did not know this. And so David says, Believe what I say. I swear that I was this close to death in front of your father. And then Jonathan replied, Fine, I will believe you. Tell me what I can do for you. And so David came up with a plan for Jonathan to test his father, to find out whether Saul still really want, wanted to harm David. And as we stop here for a while, we have to know that David came to Jonathan for help because Jonathan had previously promised to do good to David. And if you look back to chapter 18, verse 3, he says that, Then Jonathan made a covenant with David. It is because of that covenant that now David came to Jonathan for help. Well, as we think more about this verse, what does it mean that Jonathan made a covenant with David? A covenant simply means an agreement. So we ask, what does it mean that Jonathan made agreement with David? Or rather, what did Jonathan promise that he would do for David? Like I said, I think broadly speaking, it is a promise that as a crown prince, Jonathan will protect and favor David. And it is how we are to understand this first back, back, back in our passage here uh, in chapter 20 verse 8, where David said to Jonathan, Deal kindly with me now, because previously you have brought me into a covenant with you. David says, you have made an agreement, you have made an agreement to show kindness to me. So now help me. And therefore, Jonathan replied that he would indeed be true to the covenant, to the agreement he made to David. He will help David to test his father. After hearing uh, that David pressed further. David pressed further and said, what if, you, what if your father really want to kill me again? Who will bring that news to me? At this point of time, David needed further reassurance from Jonathan. Like I said, because of previous incidents, Jonathan did not know that Saul changed his mind. And so David wanted to be really sure that Jonathan would not get it wrong. And so Jonathan said to David, it's fine. If you want an assurance, let us go into the field. And in the field, he said, you stay in this field for three days. And then on the third day, I will come to this same field. And I will disclose to you my father's response. After we test him up with the plan you came up with. And it was at that moment uh, when Jonathan uh, reassured David, in a, sense, in a sense, renewed his covenant with David that Jonathan continue say this verse in verse 13. He says, May the Lord be with you as he has been with my father. Well, this short verse by Jonathan, as he, as he expressed again his, his commitment, renew his covenant with David, this verse is very important. This verse reveals that Jonathan saw David more than just a great friend or sworn brother. In fact, he saw David as the anointed king. Notice the verse. Let's, let's analyze the verse. He said, Just as God has been with my father, the first king of Israel, now may God be with you as a second king. God was with my father, but he will he has already forsaken him. 
because my father was rebellious towards God. And so now may God be with you who will be the second king. And verse 15 is even more obvious. Chapter 20, verse 15. David, Jonathan said to David, The Lord will cut off every one of the enemies of David from the face of the earth. Who was the enemy of David who sought his life at that time? It was Saul. And therefore, we have to understand that the commitment that Jonathan showed to David was not only because they were both righteous men, not just because you know, they were both mighty warriors who sees others' value, but more importantly, it was because Jonathan recognized that God has appointed David as a second king, as a true king who will bring deliverance for Israel. And this understanding was so even back in chapter 18, when you first stated that Jonathan made a covenant with David. Why did Jonathan make a covenant with David? It was right after David had become the savior of Israel in chapter 17 by delivering the Israelites from the threat of the mighty Goliath. And therefore, when it was said in chapter 18 and also here in chapter 20 verse 17, that Jonathan loved David as he loved his own soul. We have to understand that it was not only a brotherly love or a deep friendship, but it was Jonathan's love for the anointed one. It was his love for the Savior of Israel who was chosen by God. Here, Jonathan expressed that he recognized the identity of David and he provided assurance to David that indeed he will stay committed to this king, to this anointed one, that he will protect him when he is in danger. But Jonathan did not stop at that. He himself also wanted David to provide assurance to himself. He wanted David to assure him that in the future when David has become king, he will show steadfast love to Jonathan and his family. Well, we, we have to say, I have to say that these words by Jonathan did not mean that Jonathan was ultimately just acting for his own interests. It's not like Jonathan was saying, okay, I protect you now so that I will be protected in the future. We have to know that this made no sense because if all Jonathan cared was about his own interests, he would just be like his father and he would try to kill David. We shouldn't understand it that way. But we should understand that when, when Jonathan wanted David to reassure his love for Jonathan, it is simply expressing the fact that this is what the anointed king of Israel should be. The king of Israel that Jonathan trusts and submits to. He should be one that shows steadfast love to those who comes under his authority. Jonathan wanted reassurance from David that he was indeed worthy of Jonathan's love and commitment. And so in the same way, I would say that when we Christians seek to give our wholehearted commitment to God, it is only natural for us to want reassurance for God, from God. We give everything to God because we expect God is the one who has given us everything. We want reassurance from God that He is indeed favorable towards us, that He is the one who will show love to us time and time again. But where do we find this reassurance? Ultimately, it is through the cross of Jesus Christ. 
where we know that the king of this universe is willing to forgive our sins, that he did not spare his own son to pay for our penalty. That is how he will assure us of his steadfast love for us. Now we move to our second part, to the second big point, Jonathan grieved for the anointed one. In our Bible passage, starting from verse 24, Jonathan then began to execute the plan that he and David had come up with. And so we see here in verse 24 that the new moon festival has arrived. It was a big feast where the king celebrated with his important uh, officials. And therefore David as a commander would be expected to attend this new moon feast. And so on the first day, David was absent, but so did not mind. On the second day, David was absent again, and so Saul and so Saul questioned Jonathan about his absence, and then Jonathan informed that David has asked to be allowed to get away, so that he could attend another feast at his own hometown in Bethlehem. Upon hearing this, Saul just exploded and revealed his his, his hostility towards David. And because he knew that Jonathan favored David, his anger was kindled against his own son. He said, You stupid son of a whore. This is exactly how New Living Translation translated it. So you stupid son, how could you take the side of David and go against your family? You brought shame to yourself and you brought shame to your mother. And as Saul continued to hurl insult, towards his own son, it revealed more truths to us. It revealed to us that the animosity, the, the, the different attitude of Saul and Jonathan towards David. It's not just about Saul's personal jealousies. It's not just about Jonathan's friendship with David. Like I said previously in the first point, ultimately the difference between Saul and Jonathan is, is how they treat the anointed one. The difference between the father and the son was that one resisted the forthcoming kingship of David, whereas Jonathan, on the other hand, embraced it and subjected himself under it. How can we see that? We see that in verse 31. So said to Jonathan, For as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, neither you nor your kingdom shall be established. So it is quite clear that Saul says it is either his kingdom or our kingdom, my kingdom that I'll pass down to you. Saul knew way back in chapter 13 and 15 that he had been abandoned by God, that God has appointed another king to lead Israel. And by observing all the incidents that was clear to Saul and clear to us readers of the Bible, it was obvious that the king that God has chosen to replace Saul was none other than David. But as we see, Saul refused to give up his throne and he refused to repent before God of his rebellion. Instead, he desperately hold on to his own self-serving kingship and sought to kill David continually. On the other hand, the son of Saul, Jonathan, who was the heir to Saul's throne. 
Jonathan, as a crown prince, he did not follow in his father's footsteps. Instead, he committed himself to protect the new king that God has appointed, even if that means he will lose his current position as the heir. For the sake of this new king, Jonathan suffered a lot personally. He was humiliated by his father in front of all the officials. He was physically persecuted as his father hurled a spear at him. All these things Jonathan willingly suffered because he knew that he had to protect the righteous David, the one who did no wrong to Israel, but was a hero and saviour. But I think that the even more amazing thing about Jonathan's action here is in verse 34. In verse 34, it says here that Jonathan ate no food on the second day of the month. Why did he not eat food and he was sad? He says here 34, because he was grieved for David. Jonathan was not grieving for himself, but for David. Well, I'm sure that Jonathan also felt personally aggrieved, and there are ample reasons for Jonathan to feel that. However, I think the author wanted to highlight the fact that Jonathan was grieving more for David because David was the one who was accused of treason. David was treated like a criminal when everything he did was for the sake of the kingdom. And Jonathan grieved for this fact. Jonathan grieved for the righteous future king of Israel that is being persecuted. I think this is an important point for us to reflect on because we as Christians are also very much like Jonathan when we choose to suffer willingly for the kingdom of God. We suffer persecution not because we enjoy persecution. It's also not because that we can become so untouched by our sufferings. We are willing to suffer because we know the righteousness of God. Because we know the kind of salvation that God is bringing into this world. We would grieve like Jonathan when God is mocked by this world. When the gospel of salvation is treated with contempt. And there's one thing that we can learn from Jonathan's attitude here. It is that when we are undergoing suffering in this life, for the sake of the gospel. It is important for us not to focus on our own suffering, but we should focus on the love, on our love for the gospel. Just like Jonathan was driven by his concern for King David, our motivation is to be driven by our understanding of who God is and our love for this God. Now we come to the third part. Jonathan will be remembered. Back to, our Bible, back to our Bible passage now. Now we come to verse 35. In verse 35, after knowing the intention of his father, Jonathan will now go to the field to inform David on the day that they have appointed to meet. And so he brought along a little boy uh, to give the message. And, and this trip must have been, must have been disguised, uh, must have been disguised as a hunting trip to avoid the suspicion of Saul. That's why we see the the shooting of arrow. And so, at the field, Jonathan shot an arrow to the side of the stone heap where David would be hiding. And then he would later on command the little boy to retrieve the arrow. 
And previously in verse 18 to 23, Jonathan had come up with a secret, secret code uh, to inform David without speaking to him directly. So the code was to be like this. Uh, when retrieving the arrows, if Jonathan said to the boy, the arrow is at the side of you, then it meant that Saul will not kill David. You are safe. But if Jonathan said to the boy, the arrow is beyond you, it meant that David's life was in danger and he must run away. And so in verse 37, Jonathan called out to the boy and said, the arrow is beyond you. Go, run, and get it. And thus David had received the message without the boy knowing anything. Later on, Jonathan asked the boy to bring his weapons back to the city while Jonathan alone stayed in the field. And as soon as the boy had gone, he says here in verse 41, David rose from beside the stone heap and bowed three times before Jonathan. I don't know about you, but when I read this verse that Jonathan, uh, David in the end came up and meet Jonathan, I always find it very amusing. I will look back and say, why did Jonathan come out with this elaborate way of informing, da of informing David when in the end he could just speak to him directly? I don't know whether you feel that, you know, as if reading those verses previously about the secret code, I was quite redundant. But I was thinking, uh, I guess uh, there may be an emphasis that the author wants in putting all these details. Maybe he was trying to emphasize that the situation was very dangerous. So could have planted spies everywhere. And Jonathan wasn't sure at all in the beginning whether he will be left alone with David. And so in verse 41 in the end here, what happened should be that it so happened uh, that Saul did not plant any spies, that he didn't send anyone else to keep his guard and Jonathan. And despite the secret code that they have communicated, but now, because there was no one, Jonathan could speak to David one last time. And in verse 42, Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, because we have sworn both of us in the name of the Lord. The Lord shall be between me and you, and between my offspring and your offspring forever. In the book of 1 Samuel up until this point, here we see that Jonathan has done his part of the covenant. He has fulfilled the covenant that he has made with David. He has protected David and sent him away safely. But now, after Jonathan had done his part, the reader of 1 Samuel, like us, we are left wondering whether, on the other hand, David will keep his side of the covenant. When David becomes king in the future, will he show steadfast love to Jonathan and his offspring? We are left wondering whether Jonathan's effort for David as an anointed one was well worthy. Like I said way in the beginning, Jonathan's effort was indeed worthwhile. His commitment to David will be rewarded. His family will be remembered even after the death of Jonathan. Now, if we, if we allow ourselves to jump ahead just for a while to 2 Samuel chapter 9, when eventually David has become the king of all Israel, this is what happened. 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 6 to 7. And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and paid homage. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Behold, I'm your servant. And David said to him, Do not fear, 
for I'll show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. And I'll restore to you all the land of Saul your father, and you shall eat at my table always. So what we see here that David indeed kept his promise as the righteous king of Israel. He did show steadfast love to Jonathan's offspring for as long as he lived. But what is more amazing, something that many of us might not realize, is that the covenant was not just between David and Jonathan. It's not just between two of them that extended to Jonathan's son. Actually, the covenant was between David's offspring and Jonathan's offspring. Remember the last words that Jonathan said in verse 41? Chapter 20, verse 41. May the Lord be between me, my offspring, and your offspring forever. And guess what? The offspring of David had been appointed by God to be the king of Israel forever. Therefore, when Jonathan made that commitment to David as the appointed king, as the appointed one that will come the dynasty, what his family received was not just the promise of David himself. What his family received was also the promise of God to Jonathan through David. In fact, Jonathan's commitment towards David has a significance for a long, long time, all the way until the end of the Old Testament history. Uh, it is my contention that Jonathan's did actually secure the unique position of the tribe of Benjamin in the Old Testament. Towards the end, when all the other ten northern tribes had been judged by God and were separated from Judah, the only tribe left that also received the same grace as Judah is the tribe of Benjamin. Of course, you may think that the geographical location of Benjamin may play a part in this. But I guess we must not miss, I think we should not miss the Bible's emphasis here on this everlasting covenant between Jonathan and David that secure the destiny of Benjamin, the tribe of Benjamin. Jonathan, as we see, as we reflect back uh, on this 1st Samuel chapter 20, Jonathan was willing even to forsake his status as a crown prince in order to protect King David. Was his effort worth it? Well, it sure was. And so finally, as Christians, as we continue to commit to follow Jesus, as we strive to serve the church during this pandemic, even though we are physically tired and mentally stressed, we try to serve. As we continue to be honest and gracious in our dealings with others, even though financially we are affected, but we continue to live honest and righteous ways, according to God's way. When we continue to pour our love for our brothers and sisters in Christ, and continue to pour our love for, for non-Christians around us, because we know it is pleasing to God. As we make all this effort as Christians, will all this effort be worthwhile? Well, we see from today that it will be, because we have received a covenant of grace from God through Jesus Christ. It will be worth it because we know that we have been loved first by God and that we have an inheritance in heaven that is made secure for us as long as we stay faithful to Christ. Let us pray.
Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your word here in 1 Samuel 20. That through it, you show how you will show steadfast love to those who submitted themselves to you. That you show steadfast love through the work of your anointed one. Pray that we'll be comforted by the covenant of grace that we receive from Jesus. Pray that this grace will give us strength to continue to serve you in this world. We pray this in your Son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen.